1: And remember, you are a priority and you matter. JazzCast Pros. This episode of Living the Front Seat Life podcast is sponsored by BIPOC Peak, breaking the stigma and silence and prioritizing needs. They're hosting the Mental Health and Communities of Color Conference on July 13th, 14th, and 16th in Rochester, Buffalo, and Syracuse, New York. Register for this incredible conference today at BIPOCparentvoice.org.
0: Our experience with the mental hygiene arrest happened about a month and a half after the Daniel Prude incident death murder, some would say, came to light. And so having the police come to my house for a crisis situation with my child wasn't something I was gonna do. And when they came to my door, I basically said that my child is home on the weekend, a serious mental health condition, and this is not criminal, this is psychiatric, and I need you to take it easy when you come in my house. And sure enough, they grab her and manhandle her and take her out with handcuffs and force her into the car. And so here I am with my baby. And that was re-traumatizing itself. Organizations often have advisory boards and task force but we really don't have authenticity when it comes to parents' leading strategy and leading some of the models. And that's what makes our project unique. It is a parent-led, caregiver-led model, particularly parents of color leading this strategy, which is different and new. Training providers, how do you work with families of color around mental health engagement?
1: Welcome to Living the Front Seat Life. I'm your host, Kelly Marie, and I invite you to take this journey with me. We're going to be talking about all things mental health and emotional well being. You see, I am a overcomer. If you are interested in figuring out the path for you to determine how and where you will drive your future, this is the place to be. We get to determine. The ride we may not get to determine the weather or who's on the road with us or if it's going to be a scenic route or not but we are the drivers so join me on this ride living the front seat life welcome to living the front seat life
2: podcast it is me your host coach kelly marie and I have an incredible guest with me today. We are talking about mental health as always, living the front seat life, what that means, what it looks like. To be honest, I am so excited to have this particular guest on the show because her experience and my experience, you know, being someone that lives with a mental illness or several, as you guys know, and my guest being the parent of a child who lives with mental health conditions. You know, it's like the full story. Please help me welcome Sarah Taylor. She is the founder of BIPOC Peak. Sarah, how are you?
0: Thank you. I am well, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me on today.
2: So let's dive right in. Let people know about the work you do and how you got here.
0: Thank you. I will give an abbreviated version um, and just say that navigating the mental health system for a black little girl, my daughter, my great niece who I'm raising, um, who is 13 now, has been similar to my analogy of a lifetime movie, reality TV show, Cops, Medea, Jerry Springer Show, all in one, Judge Judy, Judge Mathis, I would have never imagined what it would be like to navigate the mental health system for my child. So finding myself in and out of psychiatric emergency rooms over the last three years and recognizing through this journey that there is a different system of care for children with medical conditions and children with mental health conditions. And you put race and ethnicity on top of that, we really have some serious inequities and disparities. And that's how this journey started, was me as a parent with a very sick child, recognizing that she gets different treatment because of her condition and also because of the color of her skin.
2: And so the last couple of weeks, I've been talking specifically about race and mental health, in large part due to the massacre here in Buffalo uh, on May 14th, and being Black and what that means, the weight of Blackness. And when you combine that with the mental health challenge, you know, it's it's something that is truly indescribable. I have not been able to find the words, but you're living it. And so can you... Just let people know because a part of the reason why we're here here, and a part of the reason why I do the podcast is because I want people to hear real stories. I want people to hear more than statistics. I want them to know what it's like to live a front seat life, what it means to say, this is how I'm going to drive. This is how I'm going to move and operate. This is how I'm going to function. And you took this situation. And said, listen, I'm, this is how you are not going to disrespect my family. You're not going to mistreat my family. You are not going to treat us differently. And I want people to understand the impact of the experiences that you two have had going through this journey.
0: No, thank you. And, you know, mental health in general comes with a stigma. And, you know, when it comes to our black and brown babies, and I could share based on my lived experience, our children are often viewed as criminals or bad. Um, They're suspended at a higher rate and you're talking to a mother a parent a caregiver with lots of professional experience yet the system also failed me and my child when you're living with walking this and living it every day it often comes with a lot of shame and guilt i have had child protective called on me a couple times i have been turned away from Uh, psychiatric emergency room saying, after sitting up there for 15 to 24 hours saying, go home. Uh, Your child is, this is just behavioral. There's nothing serious. Uh, We have experienced so many mental hygiene arrests that I can't even imagine And just in November in 2020, and if anyone knows the history of what happened with Daniel Prude here in Rochester, our experience with a mental hygiene arrest happened about a month and a half after the Daniel Prude incident death murder, some would say, came to light. And so having the police come to my house for a crisis situation with my child wasn't something I was gonna do. Actually, her and I were wrestling with the phone, and she's the one that actually called the police. And when they came to my door, I basically said, as articulate as I can be, that my child is home on the weekend, a serious mental health condition, and this is not criminal, this is psychiatric and I need you to take it easy when you come in my house. And sure enough, she was dysregulated, no weapon. You have to realize at that time, you know, she's a baby. She's 10 years old at that time. I think she was 10 going on 11. And she's agitated, dysregulated, and they come in my house and what do they do? They grab her and manhandle her and take her out like handcuffs, with handcuffs and force her into the car and it was an ugly scene and you know my heart was racing because all i'm thinking is we just found out about a black male dying in the hands of the police and so here i am with my baby and that was re-traumatizing itself to watch your child over and over your sick child who cannot or does not have the skills to regulate her feelings and emotions and exhibit some symptoms that really throws her into a situation that it's dysregulated and unsafe at times. But yet my child was often looked at as a criminal, and that's disheartening. And I, I often felt that I was fighting for my child's life. And that's how this project was birthed, our BIPOC PEAK project, because myself and other parents were in, in psychiatric emergencies, crying and recognized that our children and we're treated differently. And there was not necessarily a support network. Although we have amazing advocacy organizations, there was not one that specifically targeted and served Black and brown families of color, particularly in high poverty census tracts. And that's how we started our project, just wanting to support other parents of color that were going through situations similar with our children.
2: And so what does that work look like? What type of conversations are you having with other parents? What type of um, programming and support do do you do, do you offer?
0: well you know our mission is to elevate parents elevate their voices to educate empower each other to eliminate disparities and inequities related to the emotional health of our kids so that's what all those e's are for in peak we want to elevate our voice The second, you know, we build a network for parents, anti-stigma education. How do you communicate with your doctor and therapist? Uh, How do you get over shame and guilt? How do you handle shame and guilt? We're blamed often, you know, how do we get past the uh, generational beliefs, you know, we've often been taught that came from mommy's side of the family, not daddy's side of the family, or they're just bad or cutting up or even from, you know, ministries often saying, let's cast that demon out. So we want to combat some of those beliefs and chains of thoughts and negative communication to offer parents strength-based communication and advocacy. Because when you look at some of the mental health advocacy strategies and groups, you don't often see parents of color around the table. We are active. We just don't have a organized effort that is focused on elevating our voice. And the second strategy we have is the impact change across the behavioral health systems to really push for equity. Uh, There's not a lot of clinicians of color. When you look at community mental health centers serving large numbers of children of color, when you look at staffing, when you look at the suspension rate, when you look at who leaves the mental health system and goes to the criminal justice system. Even when we talk about the suicide rate that's at a national high among black children right now. So we also want to change systems to build equitable practices through the lens of racial equity. Organizations often have advisory boards and task force. But we really don't have authenticity when it comes to parents' leading strategy and leading some of the models. And that's what makes our project unique. It is a parent-led, caregiver-led model, particularly parents of color leading this strategy. And we also train providers how to work with us, which is different and new. Training providers, how do you work with families of color around mental health engagement. It needs to look different through the lens of equity. We want to push culturally responsive care, and that means we gotta train providers. What they learn in school, whether it's a doctor, a clinician, is not necessarily designed for our children and our families. So we are here to change systems, and that starts with the people caring for our children.
2: That's incredible. Um, one of the ways that you are doing this work is through the conference that's coming up in July.
0: Thank you. So July is National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. That was by the United States government back in uh, 2008, named after an activist, BB uh, Moore, Campbell. And this is a month where we recognize and bring awareness in a number of different ways through activities, anti-stigma campaigns, education, advocacy efforts in communities of color. And so during the month of July, we are hosting symposiums in Rochester, Buffalo, and Syracuse, where our project model is currently. July 13th will be in Rochester, July 14th in Buffalo, and July 16th in Syracuse. And these are educational, community education opportunities. We have Dr. Uh, Willard Ashley, who's a renowned psychoanalyst an expert that is deployed to communities. When a tragedy happens, he's going to be one of the keynote speakers that is going to talk about system strategy at addressing trauma and mental health from a systems level as it relates to families and communities of color. We're happy to have Kelly uh, speaking for us in Rochester as our keynote, as someone that lives this and has advocated for many years. We're so excited to have Kelly as one of our keynotes in Rochester. Luis Lopez, who is with Columbia University. Uh, School of Evidence-Based Practices, does a lot of work in culturally responsive care, is also going to be a speaker. We have representation from New York State Office of Mental Health, uh, Office of Diversity joining us. We have experts from Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, as well as national experts. We also are happy to say that we have scholarships. We have scholarships for peers we have scholarships for parents we have scholarships for caregivers and in particularly those that are living in buffalo on the east side of buffalo that want to come and learn and educate themselves about what services that they can benefit from from the lens of culturally responsive care we have scholarships for this half a day symposium
2: Thank you, Sarah. One of the things you just mentioned, I want to just take a minute and, and talk about, and that is culturally responsive care. What does that mean and what does that look like?
0: You know, one thing that I'm learning on this journey as a parent is there's not one model that fits all. We want to be able to respond to the needs of the community relating to trauma and mental health. And when we talk about culturally responsive care, we know in communities of color, accepting mental health care and responding to mental health care may need look different. And as providers that are out there providing services, they need to be aware. Often, we are deemed non-compliant, not engaged, and discharged from services when those services were never tailored to meet our needs. And to give you an example, historically, when you talk about restorative practices and healing services, when you go to traditional mental health providers in clinic, that's never an option that is historically offered.
1: And unlike Zoom, you don't have to install anything on your computer and your guests don't either. Head over to Riverside.fm and use promo code JazzyCast to get 60 free minutes of recording and 15% off a membership plan.
0: You know, we want to also talk about peer support, what that would look like when it comes to culturally responsive care and making sure there are peers that look like me, that understand me and my journey and not implementing or applying models that will be harmful and perpetuate systemic racism. And we know that we have a long way to go across the mental health system. While we have seen a lot of work with healthcare disparities uh, in healthcare in general, but we also know when it comes to mental health it's not something that has historically been talked about and elevated so through these conferences and symposiums we're going to elevate it we're going to share some statistics but we're all in research but we're also going to share some lived experience and journeys and what we need from culturally responsive care and what providers need so we want Every provider in the community that's serving, don't just send your DEI officer, your diversity officer, or staff of color. We need our uh, non-staff of color, clinicians, white clinicians, allies, leaders, executive leaders. We need you at this symposium to learn, to learn from some of the national experts and parents and caregivers what will work for them and what they need from you.
2: And so often, you know, people will say uh, things like, I don't know where to start. I don't know. Well, let me take that. Let me let me go back a little bit. So often, white people will say, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. How, how am I supposed to help make change? And this is one of those times. This is one of those places and spaces to come to learn, to come and understand, to come and be equipped and prepared to then go out and do the work. So how can people register for the conference?
0: Right now, our website is up and conference information is on our website, BIPOC Parent Voice, that's B-I-P-O-C Parent Voice That is BIPOCparentvoice.org. You can find the registration link and there will be information on how to obtain scholarships for this event also. And these are confidential scholarships. So again, we are having this in Rochester, July 13th, Buffalo, July 14th, which is actually unfortunately 60 days after the tragedy in buffalo and we know this is much needed in all communities but particularly buffalo and it will be these are live in-person events 9 to 12 an amazing educational uh, professional development opportunity and in each community we are limited to 150 seats so don't wait Register as soon as you can and we want you to join us and bring team members, particularly those working with families of color, across systems: the child welfare system, juvenile justice system, behavioral health system, healthcare, education. Our law enforcement leaders need to be there. Our educators need to be there, and our community-based rec centers, recreation, summer, uh, summer programs, daycare providers. We welcome you to. Come and
2: learn. If you work with youth or parents of youth, this is the place for you. This is an opportunity, and I'm I'm using that word purposely. This is an opportunity like you'll never see. I know that Sarah has put so much into pulling this conference and symposiums together, and I don't want you to miss it. So please, I want you to head over to the website and register. I want you to share the podcast, share the link, let people know that this is happening and that they need to be in the room. This is the perfect opportunity to begin to make change. We talk about education all the time, not understanding where to go, what to do. This is the perfect opportunity for you to come and become equipped and prepared to do the work. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I want to have you back. I know um, that the next two podcasts, we're going to dedicate to the conference, but I want you to come back outside of that and just share space with me. I am incredibly moved and am in awe of all that you have been through and that You are still surviving. You are still thriving. You are still helping others. Before we go, though, can you talk to people about how you manage? How do you take care of yourself?
0: Um, I think for me, you know, I walk by faith and really have um, really recognized that on this journey, Kelly, I have to take I, I don't say one day at a time. I literally have to look at things with my situation and my little girl with one hour at a time, literally one hour, and not having these high expectations of what I'm expecting of her and myself. And it's just also recognizing when I need a time out and a time to step back. Um, because again, some of the experiences that we've been through, or heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching and painful. And you have to be able to really look at what does self-care look like for you. So many times we throw that word out, but you have to understand what that looks like for you. And for me, sometimes it's a matter of stepping out on my porch and breathing for five minutes, fresh air.
2: Sarah, I appreciate you so much. Um, Everything that you do, um, all of the conversations that we have, the uplifting conversations, you know, that you and I personally have, you know, you, you help me keep it together and keep focused and know that this is the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And I just, I appreciate you so much. I thank you. I thank you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Kelly, for this space and um, just sharing your journey and opening it up for others. You know, for me, this is never about outcomes, pay or popularity. For me, this is about saving lives. And that's how I look at it. If I can help another parent and I can help some of our babies out there, I want to be able to do it. So again, thank you.
2: Thank you, and please go online and register. The website is BIPOCparentvoice.org and register for the conference. It's gonna be in three cities, Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse. So check your schedule, clear your schedule, go online, register, and be there. Until the next time, I encourage you as always to be the light and I look forward to seeing you at the conference in July.
0: Wow, thank you so much, Kelly and Jazzy. Look forward to having you here as our keynote and um, I'm, I'm excited about this work and really, partnering with authentic groups that really are not afraid to get their hands dirty and to go into communities of color to do the hard work around mental health and to
1: relinquish power to let us do the work and to you thank you for listening please like subscribe share this podcast with someone else i think there's great information here you know we're living the front seat life and What a great way to help others do the same by sharing the podcast. So until the next time, be the light.